You're listening to WYDG Gaming Radio. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to AV Underground, the podcast where we talk about what it's like getting started as a content creator. I am Josh Needham. I'm here with MJ Watson for the third episode now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been a little while, but he's he's back. We're back here to host with you. No guests this week. Uh, we're just kind of back and forth bantering. Call him back to our roots. People like when you say that, calling back to our roots. Calling back to you. Even roots. if your roots are only three episodes ago, <laughs> even it's if your roots. roots are only a few weeks back. Follow the roots home. Yeah. Go, go, <laughs> we're going back to our roots. You can buy our debut album for $199 <laughs> on Amazon. On Patreon reward tiers. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, active practice in whatever it is that you're doing, as well as some social media tips and practices that work well when you're starting out because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're a content creator and no one is seeing your content like you're just kind of waiting around for the mystical digital gandalf to come around and whisk you away from the shire and bring you out into the world congrats you're internet famous yeah basically i feel like a lot too many people are waiting around to go viral and there are there are some better ways to kind of cut that curve and start networking with the right people so i want to start off though with the shorter subject um, practice. So I talked about this with Joe when he was here. He was asking, you know, how do you practice what you do? And I actually developed a, a new method. I, it's new to me. It's, it's just nothing new as far as like content creation goes. But because one of my biggest faults as far as trying to put a vlog together, podcasting, I could sit here, I could talk to you all day long. Putting a vlog together, I get super awkward, very monotone, very deadpan when I'm on camera and I know I'm on camera and I can see myself on camera. So like from a film student aspect, you know, when you frame a shot, you want to make sure that your shot's framed, you're in focus, at least the eyes are in focus. (laughs) Something's in focus, please. You get your focus, you get your framing, and then you start rolling. Now, when you're vlogging, you're moving around, doing whatever, you want to make sure that you're keeping focus because no one wants to watch a blurry vlog. So most vloggers will have a flip up screen or they're using their phone. Uh, There are plenty that don't, but a lot of the ones that I know do rely a lot on being able to see themselves when you when they start vlogging and i guess eventually you just kind of start trusting your settings and knowing what you're doing yeah. but eventually you trust starting your off you, you're looking at yourself a lot and for me it's it's super awkward because i'm like eh, i hate looking at myself on cam- like every angle is an unflattering angle for me so what i've started doing is to try and get more comfortable with it is before i go into work when i get to work i'll just i'll have my phone set up on my little dash mount and I'll press record and I'll just talk for maybe five minutes and try and talk about something. And it's a lot of videos that are, they're not going to go anywhere. I'm not, I don't have the pressure of, oh, I better put something like A plus content together in this one little talk in my car. It's just getting myself more comfortable talking to, uh, I, I don't want to say talking to no one, but talking when there's not another person physically present. Talking like there is someone physically present is the way I put it. Right. Yeah. Which actually, I, I was wondering how he, is, did that just come naturally with you? Because when you do the Never Made Varsity podcast, you can you can go for God as long as I don't stop you. Like, yeah, it's and it, it's it feels very when radio hosts talk and and you feel like they're talking to you. It you come off that way, and it's not so much of just like you're trying. You're not talking to me directly. You're just talking to your audience. Um, for me, it, it kind of I don't want to like I'm not trying to like sound cocky, but a part of it does come naturally. But that's that is the part that has always had me interested in doing stuff like this my whole life, because it's it's mainly really like, yeah, I can I can kind of do it if I really know my topic, I can kind of do it with any topic. But it is really with sports because I grew up my whole life listening to sports radio that it kind of connected with me and I realized that I was naturally good at it. It is kind of for me, it's one of those things that, yes, it does. Like what I come in here and what I do for you, like, well, not for you, what I do for Never Made Varsity, when I come in here, I do, that is pretty much all natural. But going off your practice thing, it's something that even I look at and I'm like, I can improve it even more. And it is something that I want to practice. Even like it, yes, like I was trying to think of a way like to try to explain it doesn't come naturally to me, but the more I think about it, it does. Like it, for me, I'm one of those lucky people. I can just, once I get my topic and once I, once I get my hands on the wheel, I can drive that car all day long as long as I need to. But yeah, it really is. It does come natural and it is a skill I have, but there are ways that I do even want to practice and even improve at it. Now, do you have any uh, thoughts or plans as to like how you would, because I mean, podcasting, it's, it all takes place here in our studio. Yeah. Generally, we're not out and about 
recording things. I don't have like field recorders or anything. So, um, <laughs> but how do you practice that without actually like being here and doing a podcast? Okay. Well, there's a lot of different ways. And like I do it, I'm one of those people like you definitely got to find just the way that works best for you. I'm one of those people where whenever I'm doing things that involve like, like I just have the spare time to think like I am doing something like taking a shower or driving here. Like I even I practice then like I'll be literally I'll be sitting in the car and like once I if I hear something on the radio or I just have a sports topic in mind, I'll just start talking to myself, start talking myself through it, like not not talking to anyone else, just talking myself through it, because when you can talk yourself through it. Then it makes it much, I feel it makes it much easier to talk anyone else through it because now you get it, you've explained it. And like, granted, sometimes your explanation can be misconstrued by someone else. But as long as you understand it in your own head, it makes it better to, for it to come out. And that's one way I practice. I literally like, I, I like, you know, people say they sing in the shower. I literally practice my sports takes in the shower. I practice my sports takes driving. And like the whole, like, there's the, always the classic stand in front of the mirror and talk. I've done that too. Like, like I, I literally like before I started podcasting and I'm not sure this is not me trying to sound racist because it is very true. I feel that Italians talk with their hands and that's something I realize when I'm in front of a mirror. Or I feel like depending on who you talk to, that's every other nationality, like yeah. Italian, French. I know a lot of Italians, it so it's very like I kind of notice it a lot with them, but I talk a lot with my hands and that's something I didn't notice until I started practicing with my mirror and in practice in front of a mirror. But like, yeah, that's just the ways like, I don't have any real specific ways to do it other than the downtime. Whenever I have downtime, use that opportunity to practice. Even if it's the slightest bit of practice. Like, people always say, like, if you do one push-up, that's one more push-up than you did yesterday. If you you say one sentence to yourself in the car, that's one more sentence than you said yesterday. So that's kind of the way I do it. It's it's kind of repetition, but it's also just letting it happen. That, that's been a lot of my theory with doing things in uh, in the car with my just recording on my phone. Also getting used to like my phone's the little lens for the front facing camera on my phone is so small, but you can really tell if you're when, when I play it back, you can tell if you're looking at the camera lens or yeah. if you're looking at the screen. It's actually really because it's yeah, it really shows. So I'm trying to like kind of get used to looking at the lens and not paying so much attention to the screen, not being not letting myself get concerned with how I present myself and just like letting myself be me. That that's right. Really it. It's OK. So I have a weird practice at my job. So every every day that I'm working, I write up a daily log of the things that I've done and accomplished that day. So that, you know, being an intern, my boss knows like that I'm that I am working, what I'm working on, what I've accomplished. So you can kind of gauge how things go. Um I try and keep it very simplified, but it's just a notepad file on my desktop. And at the end of every day before I clock out and go home, I'll write to myself on that notepad file. Um I'll write myself like you left off doing this. And then I'll leave other notes for myself, either over for over the weekend or for the next day. And I'll like, hey, it's Wednesday. You're most of the way through your week. And I'll put other things in there. And lately I've started putting notes like, did you practice talking to your camera today? Remember that time moves on with or without you. And you'd rather have the practice logged than not have practiced at all. And I put these things. And for whatever reason, my brain's really good at separating work and home. It's also really good at separating like shit that doesn't matter and everything I care about sometimes painfully. So, but <laughs> yeah. to the point where like I leave work, I forgot what I was working on. I have, I have no idea. So that's why I leave my notes for myself. Cause as soon as I get back, I sit in my chair, I look at my notes and I'm like, okay, first off, I know where I was. I know what I was working on. And secondly, I like that it, it's weird how much it feels like I'm having a conversation with another person reading notes for myself yeah. because I don't conscious, like I consciously remember that I wrote myself a note, but I don't always remember what I wrote myself. So it's, it's weird conversations with myself that just reminds me that I need to practice because yeah. I found that I've been really good at trying to encourage people to do things, but I'm really bad at encouraging myself <laughs> and following my own advice. Yeah. So uh, writing myself notes that way has really helped to push me to keep practicing. Let me ask you this. Do you, when you write your notes, like I know you said you put a notes on your computer, but like when just going throughout the day when you're like, cause you know, like inspiration can come at any minute, especially, Absolutely. especially with content creation. How do you keep, do you keep your notes in your phone? Do you keep your notes in like a little notepad? Like on my phone, I use Evernote. Yeah. Um, which I had a big thing years ago when I was getting into tech and following Lifehacker used to have this weekly article they would do with, uh, how do you work? And they would interview people like they did, um, Felicia Day once and went through <laughs> like what her, what her creative process is and stuff like that. And I would read those 
and they have a list because they're a tech company like yeah. hacker. So they, they had a list at the end of the article of like, uh, what apps do you use? And, you know, Felicia, they would list kind. off like what, what you use for note taking apps, so on and so forth. The thing that I have learned is that uh, if you're listening to this there and you want to get into the creative field, there are two important things that you're going to want to know when it comes to taking notes and keeping track of what's on your mind. I discussed it with Joe. The biggest lie you're ever going to tell yourself is I'll remember that later because you won't. <laughs> um, so thing one is anytime you ha you need to have a way whether it's a notebook or an app on your phone to put down the ideas as they come to you. I don't care if you're, we are working, you're in the bathroom, you're whatever you're doing, you need to be able to, as soon as possible. Okay. Either I'm carrying a pen and a notebook or I'm carrying my phone and it, it you know, charged <laughs> the important thing. Now for me, that's Evernote because I've been using Evernote for years. I understand how it works and I have quick shortcuts to it. I'm using a note five. So I just pop the stylus out. I have a shortcut right there and I'm right in where I need to be. Now for me, I've tried notebooks. Um, it's not that they're bad. It's that my handwriting is atrocious <laughs> yeah. and I never look at them. <laughs> the important thing with taking notes is that you put them somewhere you're going to look at later. Exactly. So, uh, when Jamie and I were discussing, uh, our business opportunities and plans to try and start a project that we're working on. He went out, we went out to Barnes and Noble, he bought a notebook. And for me, notebooks have not been a thing that work well. I don't keep them on me. I don't really have a pen most of the time. I hate wasting paper. Sometimes I get too wrapped up in getting like the right kind of notebook. It has to be a moleskin notebook. Oh, it has enough, to be yeah. leather bound. It has to be this. And, and that changes. And I'm like, you know what? I always have my phone on me. I look at my Evernote on a frequent, a frequent enough basis that if I put my thoughts down there, I'm going to see them again. So that's the big thing. Those are the two big things. Have somewhere to dump your thoughts and mental vomit and have make it sure that it's something you're going to check. Yeah. If you're not going to check it, it's not going to do you any good. You may as well write it on a tissue and throw it away. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 percent with you on that. However, I am I am the opposite of what you do is I don't take notes on my phone because I've discovered that when I take notes on my phone, it eventually just leads me to doing other shit on my phone. Like eventually I'll take my notes and then I'll be like, oh, well, time to check Twitter or time to check Instagram. And like, I'm granted like that. That's social media is all like, however you handle it, how checking it, which we'll get into more later. But, um, yeah, what ends up happening is whenever I take notes on my phone is I always end up going to Twitter. I end up going to do something else and I end up distracted. I end up just playing on my phone and then I never end up checking those notes. So for me, actually, I do prefer the notebook because like you, my handwriting is atrocious. It's terrible, but I can read it. So like only, so only I can read it into like, for me, there's something, I don't really have a word for it, but there's something about just taking, have it. Cause I have a, you may have saw it. I have that little green notebook and I literally, I have it in my car right now. I just have this little green notebook. It's very tiny. I take a pen and that's where I usually take down all of my notes because for me, it's, if I go to my phone for notes, I'm going to be like, Oh, I'm going to go to my phone for notes, but really I'm going to go check Twitter. Whereas if I'm going to my notebook for notes, I'm going to my notebook. I can't flip. You page. can't check anything. Yeah, in your I can't flip my page in my notebook and refresh my Twitter. So like that's that's kind of like for me, it's a little different. Whereas like like I always just use the notes on my phone. I never used an app. But yeah, I feel like I'm just 100 percent with you that you need whatever it is. I don't if it's your own fucking hand, like I don't care. Just whatever it I've is. I've done that yeah. plenty of times when I didn't have access to something, but I had a pen. Yeah, I'll write a note on my hand. And that's my reminder of like, write this down in a notebook yeah. as soon as possible. That's what I used to do in school. I used to write it on my arms because I always wear long sleeve stuff. And I would go home at night and like right before I go to bed, I take off my jacket or take my long sleeve shirt and look at my arm. Like, All right. <laughs> but yeah, taking notes is a huge, huge thing. That yeah. It can really help you. And, you know, sometimes you write down ideas. I've had plenty of ideas that I've written down that like <laughs> for a long time never went anywhere. Yeah. But sometimes you get, you know, I put down a lot of ideas and then maybe a year later I'm having one of those brain moments where I'm like, I have no ideas right now. What do I want to work on? And you can go back and like, hey, a year ago I had this idea. Maybe I'll work on, I, I have the means to do that now. So I'll, I'll work on that. But it's always good to have your ideas as organized as possible, which is why I prefer the digital. Like, and again, I have a note. I could use the Samsung like S note app that's on there, yeah. which I do if it's something quick I need to jot down. But again, my handwriting is terrible and I don't want to limit it to something that's local to the phone. Yeah. The idea for me with doing it digitally is that I have access to Evernote on my computer at home. I have access to it on the web and I have access on my phone. So as long as I have access to one of those things, I can write stuff down and I'll be able to pull it back up later. Yeah. For me, it's like the only like digital note taking I keep is um, on my laptop because but that's like 
whenever I get like, sometimes when I'm like doing my podcast, like doing this podcast, I get ideas. And that's like, those are like the ideas that like, I want to keep on a laptop. Like you said, for like those days that you have no idea what you're going to do, just go back and have something to really actually like, just cause like, it's an idea. You like, it's an idea. You can have ideas that you think about now. Like, <laughs> yeah, that'll be down the road in the future. Like, that's a great idea that I could do maybe six months from now. You have, you will be shocked how quickly those six months will come. So yeah, it's just, it's just Time one of those lies. It really is. And especially, especially once you get really into content creating, like I'm not, I'm, I would say that I'm not even as far in as you are. And even I'm still realizing, like I started this podcast two months ago, a month ago, two months ago. And because I think for you, it started, you're starting to get to that point now. You're 12 episodes into Never Made Varsity. Yeah. And so now it's becoming more of just, this is a thing that I do. Exactly. And so it's becoming more routine. It's not as, uh, oh, right, I got to get up and do this thing that I, do I really have to do it today? That one week that I missed, that we that we missed uh, like two weeks ago, I literally, that my whole week was thrown You off. felt like you were missing something, right? right? My whole week, I was I was sitting around just being like, oh man, this this week is dragging. What was wrong? Something's wrong. I'm missing something. Because you miss a week and all of a sudden two weeks feels like one week. Exactly. Like, Why is this week going on forever? It, it, it's, it's a, really, it's a phenomenon. But, uh, well, I feel that, I feel that was a good discussion. I kind of... We kind, yeah, of, we kind of I mean, went all different I've, directions there. I uh, getting back really quick on the practice uh, on the topic of practice on the practice of topic. that's where we yeah that's where we were starting. So another thing that I realized we went for a day trip down to Boston and by we I mean Annabelle myself and Jeff Jamie was initially we were going to go up to like Portland Maine and take a day trip out there fly the drone and just get some really sweet like B roll footage basically to toss in amongst the vlogs and uh, Jamie ended up having a family emergency. And so we decided, let's just go into Boston for the day and check out Boston, get some photos of the city, photos, video shots, whatever it was. And JB had offered to let me borrow his gimbal for the phone. And I was like, no, I'm not going to borrow it because I said, if I want to get into this, I, a, I need to learn to use my Nikon better than I already know how, which is like the bare minimums, like the stuff that we learned. I'm not. Like, I know how to use it, but I'm not comfortable with it yet. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to get more comfortable with the Nikon and I need to figure out how my setup is going to be. Because every vlogger that I n- know of on YouTube, you mostly uses a DSLR on a Gorillapod with a shotgun mic on top. And my initial thought was I'm going to use my tripod, which has a handle on it. That's an Amazon Basics tripod with a handle. And I was like, I'll just use that because I can set it up for stable shots. It's got a handle so I can carry it around, point it at myself. But I'm not comfortable doing that it's the honestly the tripod's really unwieldy i don't i don't care for it after trying that but i was like no if we're gonna go into boston i need i need to get some practice in with the nikon so we got there and i was like i'm gonna bring just the camera to start with i don't want to be walking around with like the tripod and the shotgun mic and everything else i'm gonna focus mostly on just getting comfortable using the camera and you know part of it was getting myself to be okay with just practicing camera use and being comfortable carrying the dslr because there's that part of my brain that's like no if you're gonna do this you have to go all in you have to get the whole setup and you have to carry it around you have to be comfortable in front of a whole city full of people doing this and talking to the camera yourself and i was like no i'm just gonna i'm going out today with the goal in mind of just getting better shots and learning how to quickly use my nikon And so I had the neck strap that goes with it, the Nikon branded neck strap (laughs) that every camera, you've either got Canon, Nikon, whatever it is, is on your neck strap. Just to let everyone know you're real And I was like, okay, I don't feel comfortable just holding my camera, but I also hate the neck strap. Hate it with a burning passion. Uh, I really, I I had mentioned too, I was like, I really should look into if they have a hand strap. And Annabelle goes, I have one. And I'm like, you, what? (laughs) You've been holding out on me? And she's like, no, I got one forever ago. I just... I, you've seen it and i realized after looking at it like yeah i have seen it i just didn't know what it was and it never occurred to me so i took the neck strap off i put the hand strap on and you don't know the world of difference that made I can only because imagine. i feel safer carrying it around with the hand strap both from people trying to steal my camera but yeah. also from me dropping it yeah and the way that it keeps my hand positioned around all the buttons i can i got used to very quickly turning the camera on getting it into preview taking my shots and then turning it back off again it's like having a video game control in your hand it is and you're just you're what you're trying to do is get your reflexes down really really is those uh the the twitch abilities as a lot of fps pros will call it yeah 
not that not that I'm like that level of camera operation, but it made a huge difference. And I was really able to go out and get some decent shots of the city. Now, whether or not I got enough shots for me to like use in a vlog or anything, that's mm -hmm. yet to be seen. I'm still going to try and edit that together. But it gave me a lot of I had a really good day going out and experiencing just walking around the city, taking pictures of things and getting used to being in a public setting and taking pictures of this, that, whatever without having that a nagging voice in the back of my head like people are gonna be like what are you doing why are you taking pictures do you work with someone and then being like no i'm just just out here for yeah. me it's it's one of those things like just going off on that real quick like especially in cities i feel like people i feel a lot like i feel like that used to be much more of a thing but i feel now especially in the city area people are like no one cares and like everyone's just walking to get to their next train or walking to get across the street and they don't give they don't give one care in the world about what you're doing yeah, they really don't. And I thought about the same thing. Like if I was walking down, whether it's Gardner, whether it's Boston, whether it's New York, if I'm walking around and I saw someone with a vlogging setup, like they had the whole gorilla pod, shotgun mic, DSLR, whatever it was, and they're sitting there walking around town talking to it. My third, my first thought personally is not going to be, wow, what a loser. Look at this guy. <laughs> exactly. My first thought is that is kind of awesome. I wonder yeah. what their channel is. Exactly. Um, I think so, that every time I see one now. I'm sure there are people out there that are just genuinely interested that are like me. There's plenty of people that are going to be like, oh, look at this weirdo. But maybe they don't say it out loud. My biggest problem with the cities is is not actually the people that will heckle you. It's the <laughs> it's the homeless population, <laughs> the beggars. Yeah. I don't want to say the homeless population because I'm sure plenty of them are, you know, just a victim of bad circumstance. Yeah. But there are we're not, plenty we're not of people that here. and you're not sure if they're con artists or they're legitimately homeless that are like yeah, walking around exactly. like, excuse me, sir. I, I got asked by one guy to buy him a bar of soap. And I'm like, dude, I, don't, I have no money on me whatsoever. Like the only reason I'm here is because Jeff decided to front the subway bill. So like <laughs> I'm just here with a camera and no cash. Like, yes. There's very little I can do for you. Sorry. But a lot of it's just when you're not used to just walking by and ignoring people, you feel bad walking by and ignoring people. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things you get used to. Yeah. I see. It's funny because like, like I said, like I feel like hecklers have gotten, especially like hecklers and like vlogs and like people filming, like that's kind of like really calmed down more that people are getting used to it because like I can only imagine if you go in like old Red Sox videos from YouTube, how many like Red Sox vloggers you're going to find clips of me like jumping into their shot or something like I'm sure <laughs> if like someone spent the day to look through YouTube, you'd find plenty of videos of like 11 to 12 year old MJ Watson just running around friggin' in people's vlogs. And like I think but that's the thing, though, like I really think that like I wouldn't do that now. Like obviously I wouldn't do that now, but it's just one of those things I really feel like more people are so used to it because people are so not just with cameras, but people are so used to seeing people take out their phones and filming everything all the time. Yeah, that they get used to it. And any I feel sort like of any sort of technology, they just don't care. If you're going to heckle anyone, why heckle someone with a camera? <laughs> like, what's this the is point? going to be recorded and it's yeah. probably going to be posted online. And, and like, with the way that the Internet is now, it's not like you'll probably it's not like, like the days ass. of dial up where, I, oh, you're going to post this online. No one's going to see it. Yeah, it's everyone's not like I'm posting it on it. Google Plus. Yeah. Like people will see what I'm doing. Even if it's not a big audience, um, that actually works a good segue into I want to talk about social media. I want to talk about two platforms specifically, the inner workings, a little bit of the inner workings as I understand them. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I am not a social media guru by any means. There are entire books that are out there about how to you know work algorithms and how to master Instagram, how to work YouTube, how to how to get views and all that other kind of stuff. I'm just here to bring you what I can that I have for free knowledge. So this is stuff that I've been experimenting with in the last few weeks and I've seen some success from. And I also want to talk a little bit about um, that invisible feeling that you get when you're first starting out and you're you're like, I can make the best content ever, but no one no one's going to see it. How do I get out there? And you feel the way that these platforms will make you feel is that you need to pay them money so that you're visible. And I know this both from personal experience and from some people that I've been talking to recently that that's the general feeling. Pay me and I'll get you followers. There's plenty of accounts on Instagram that you can buy followers, but it's really not going to do you any good because you're not going to have the interaction. The algorithm yeah, exactly. runs based on things that people are currently interacting on. Um, but I want to start off talking about YouTube specifically and we'll work our way into Instagram after that. So with YouTube, I want to start by talking a little bit about their change to the monetization issue. Uh, a lot of people are still really salty about it. A lot of new creators are really upset about it. They're saying that it's ruining um, new channels. It's ruining smaller channels. 
And I'm talking specifically in regards to their, you cannot monetize your channel if you have less than 1,000 subs, less than 4,000 hours of view time in the previous 12 months. Those are really ambitious goals for anyone starting out. Mm -hmm. But that's that's the, the gateway to getting ad rev or being able to play ads on your account and have AdSense and all that other fun stuff. Which I'm going to tell you right now from my experiences of having worked with it before this all kicked in, if you're a small creator... And by small creator, I mean, I know um, who I'd love to get on the show sometime. Sango Nanami um, oh, yeah, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. from Up at the Mount has 65,000 subscribers or probably oh, more at this point. Holy crap. I didn't she has that. a lot of subscribers. I know um, one of the people that I met at AAC who I will I'll leave their name out of it just in case because I don't want to make a public display of numbers and records and whatnot. But <laughs> I, I know someone personally who has over 160,000 subscribers now and that the revenue from even those numbers is not enough to say quit your day job unless you're still living at home with your parents. And, you know, for a lot of us, I'm not. Yeah. I still have to pay rent and electric and like all the bills and do that whole adult thing that yeah. we all get to we do. We all get to do at one point. And so even with those kind of numbers, you're not going to be making enough on AdSense to make it worth it. So for me, we were making like four cents a year on our AdSense revenue. And so us losing our MCN, the biggest drop that I got out of being dropped by our multi-channel network was we no longer have a paid subscription to Epidemic Sound, which if you don't know Epidemic Sound, they're a whole nother thing. Check them out. A lot of big YouTubers are using them because it's license free or... Yeah, it's royalty-free music. So you pay for subscriptions and they do all that stuff. I'm not sponsored by them. I'd like to be, but <laughs> hey, I'm not I'm not at that point. So I just want to give you my honest opinions and that, that's all I can really do. But people are freaking out about the whole thing. Now, I understand people that freak out about the algorithm uh, because everyone, the algorithm is quote-unquote the algorithm <laughs> is this mystical thing that no one really understands i don't even know if youtube understands it i don't think they do there's probably like a couple of tech people that collectively understand it but yeah, it's like the two people in tech room that are like eating lunch together like huh, huh and you, you talk about this yeah you hear plenty of people talk about how oh it just it favors the the big creators which sure Welcome because their videos are popular <laughs> casey neistat uploads a video and people are commenting on it like nobody's business yeah. whether they're positive or negative it's getting comments so if something's getting comments like the default assumption if you're in like computer programming and whatnot you're like okay well how do i decide what goes to the front page the, i don't have ai written to watch every single video decide if it's good or not and then go from there but we need to do something because the amount of content being uploaded to YouTube on an hourly basis is insane. It's unreal. No one could watch all that content as it's coming up. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd have a ridiculous time. Like you'd you'd have to employ the entire like United Millennial States, fan base, Canada, <laughs> just to watch videos all day long <laughs> as things are being processed. So they have to have automated systems in place. Forget athletes coming out of high school. And it definitely feels like they're favoring bigger channels. Um. Now, something that I have learned personally, and I'm going to need to get a lot more experience with this before I can definitively say that this is your problem or not, is that I was tagging things totally wrong and changing up how I've tagged things both in YouTube and in Instagram has made a world of difference more so with Instagram as far as like instant results. But I mean, hey, that's just the video content that I was putting out that I was changing up my tagging system on was all Let's Plays <laughs> and they're games that aren't terribly popular right now. So it's not a lot of it's just that things that I was doing were not things that were being searched. Yeah. Um, so uh, as far as YouTube is concerned, I started using a plugin called vidIQ. Again, not sponsored by vidIQ. It's just something <laughs> that I've been using. It was recommended by another YouTuber who was talking about how to get yourself in the mindset of tagging your videos on YouTube. And the counter argument, of course, is that a lot of the biggest YouTubers do not tag their videos. And I've seen that again, back to Casey Neistat. He doesn't tag his videos. Why? Because the dude is Casey Neistat. He yeah. doesn't matter. He could record something, put it on a cassette tape, throw it in the middle of Times Square. Someone's going to find it, upload it to the Internet and the world will see it. Yeah. You know, That's it's it's one of those things that people already subscribe to him. They've rung the bell on his channel. Yeah. They're going to be notified. And because he uploads content so consistently, so frequently, 
it never has enough stagnation that YouTube goes, oh, this content creator stopped making content. We should probably wipe him from people's feeds for a little while. So as far as tagging things goes, uh, I don't know if there are people out there that are on the same wavelength that I was, but in case there are, I wanted to bring this up. So when things started being, when hashtags started being a big thing, <laughs> Twitter, yeah. um, before it went from Twitter to everything else, and it was mostly Twitter, I noticed a lot of people would tag, it was like individual words. So it was like pieces of a search. So if I was going to hashtag a phrase like um, small brown dogs, I would hashtag small, hashtag brown, hashtag dogs. My brain wouldn't go hashtag small brown dogs. Yeah. So I was dividing by individual words. So for example, um, Red Strings Club, the game that I played recently, it's up on our channel. Uh, and that was when I started using vidIQ. Now my brain wanted to go red, comma, and comma separate your tags in YouTube for those that aren't familiar. But it'd be red, comma, string, comma, club, comma, game, comma, video games, comma, like stuff like that. But I didn't want to get so ridiculous with it because I've seen yeah. people go, what was it? What tags. was, in my opinion, overboard with yeah. tagging things on Twitter, on Instagram, and now Facebook and anywhere that'll allow them to hashtag things. Now, what vidIQ has showed me is I search for, you know, when you go to YouTube's search bar and you start typing and yeah. it automatically decides okay i'm gonna fill in the rest for you uh -huh. stop every me when i'm right yeah every single one that ranks things being searched by volume being searched so if i type in red strings and it drops down red strings club red strings club gameplay red strings club club gameplay blind red strings club pc gameplay those are like all your top recommended yeah, yeah, yeah. those are the things you're tagging the entire uh. phrase and so I looked up Red Strings Club. I found the top video that came up, the first thing that popped up in the search. And you click on it. And what vidIQ does is it pops up a little info bar on your YouTube. It does a few different things. You can pay for a premium, but like I, I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to learn how to rewire my brain to think properly in terms of YouTube tagging. That was my only goal with it right now. And so I checked out this YouTube channel that started a red strings club play and i was looking at it shows you the tags people use in their videos yeah and i'm looking at the tags in this video and that's exactly how it was set up red strings club was one tag red strings club gameplay another tag red strings club pc gameplay another tag red strings club blind pc gameplay another tag first impressions red strings club another like it went on and it felt ridiculous but at the same time i can understand from the search engine's point of view yeah what's going on that makes perfect sense. I've also uh, been hearing from people that, you know, as far as YouTube is concerned, they're trying to program the algorithms and everything to try and teach the machine how to adapt human language so that when we post something and we just, you know, write out our video title, write out your description and put the tags in there that you think are, are good, that YouTube is understanding how to take human language and transfer that into machine learning type mm -hmm. of a deal so if you're trying to write your titles and your descriptions for a machine that's just going to kind of get lost in translation because it's it's kind of like that whole no it just explain yourself how you would explain <laughs> yourself i'll interpret yep so but i would recommend checking out um vidIQ or seeing like what kind of things other people are tagging or even just use the youtube search bar and if you're going to post a video about whatever it is, um, Five Nights, you say you're going to get back into Five Nights at Freddy's, look up FNAF and then see what's automatically suggested and then write those down. Those are your tags. It's just about that simple. And that gives you a lot more chance to get noticed. But keep in mind that if you're doing things that are more popular, like if you're getting into Let's Plays and you're like, oh, I'm going to do Minecraft or at this point, Fortnite, Fortnite's the big one. <laughs> yep, Everyone yep. is all on that stuff which is great for getting discovered. But it's also difficult because you have so much competition when it comes to Fortnite. Yeah. So there's also a balance in there about trying to put some tags in there that are high volume, that are really saturated, that you're going to, you know, show up in people's search results when they search for these things rather than being invisible. Yep. And then picking some smaller ones that are less well known that, you know, if someone searches something wrong, I even have tossed a couple tags in there that had intentional misspelling. Like red, red strings bar, because yeah. I occasionally would like forget that it was red strings club. That makes sense. Yeah. And I was like, somebody else is going to do that too. So I'm going to put that in there. And like, it's just one of those things like, 
as someone else, like I don't use the YouTube scene as much as you do. I, I haven't been using Instagram as much as you do, but it's actually, that's something I'm going to plan on doing because we'll talk more about it, the power of Instagram. But tagging is something that I never even really considered when I was first getting into content creating because like to me, it was always, like you said, I saw, I see you look at a YouTube video back in the day and you'd see just, you'd see, you'd go, oh, see full description and you'd look and it'd just be a whole page full of tags and you'd be scrolling for five minutes till you get to the comment section. And it's just like, it's one of those things, like I never realized that it had any power because I feel so many people look at it, look as tags as obnoxious and they look at it as right. like, is like, stop, stop bothering me with these and rather mm -hmm. than how well they can be used and like that's just something that i feel like this this podcast well this episode of this podcast should be able to explain is there is a lot of power in tagging things properly they're not just tagging them but tagging them properly that's There's a huge part of it um there was i don't know if you've ever read 2600 the hacker quarterly it's i've a, heard of it and i read like the first two pages of it's it. it's a print <laughs> magazine you can get it digitally as well um and there was a big thing because they're a hacker magazine yeah. they talk about computer exploits and security holes and all that kind of stuff it's not if you're not in the hacker scene, you're not in the computer scene. It's not one of these like, here's how to hack Facebook. Yeah, it's just pointing out security faults. And it's it's a very technical read. It's interesting. One of the things that they had going on for a while was people writing in like, oh, I really want to read your uh, your content, but I don't want to pay for it with a credit card because they're, the FBI is going to add me to a list. And their response was. In that case, I think everyone should buy our magazine with a credit card so that the list becomes too long to be useful. And in the same way that that list, if a list containing everyone in the U.S., if say everyone bought 2600 yeah. and the NSA was keeping track of people who bought 2600 as our top suspects, if everyone in the U.S. bought a copy and everyone's on that list, your list is null and void. There's yeah, no point anymore. There's no point. You just have a list. of You all have the a list of everyone States. here. That's yeah. it. And it's the same way with tagging things. You want to make sure you're getting on the right tags, the right lists for what you're putting up. Don't go tagging. If, if I'm doing Red Strings Club, I'm not tagging Fortnite. Yes, I want to get recognized, but people are going to both the algorithm and people that are searching for Fortnite are going to realize very quickly that I'm full of shit. <laughs> this is not a Fortnite video. Yeah. So, you know, try and keep it relevant to your content. And that goes for both YouTube and Instagram. I'm going to hop over tagging wise to Instagram and we'll hop back to, to YouTube again for a different conversation. But on the topic of tagging on Instagram. So let me let me bring up a few stats here because I actually have some Ooh, stats. We got some I've, stats. Now, I run two Instagram accounts, my personal one and the branded yeah, dude or WYDG Instagram accounts. Now, my personal account I had at. A little over 100 followers you know it's nothing huge i mostly post just stuff about video games daily life i would tag like polar the seltzer company because <laughs> yeah. i love seltzer yeah. i'm 100 you, years you old and your polar um so and then i'll just post weird things that happen or things that went on in my day or pictures that i took so there's no real theme to it and i mean that's kind of the thing with my personal instagram is that i don't have a i have a few different niche things that i do but not one in particular yep like a lot of people if you want to really make your way on instagram you find like one specific niche you stick with it that's all your yeah. feed is and you're going to get into like how to organize your grid and all sorts of other stuff i'm not into that right now uh what i'm doing right now is just learning how to properly tag things because previously i didn't tag anything the only things that i would tag is if i went to an anime convention I would tag the anime convention stuff like hashtag AAC 2018 hashtag another anime convention 2018, whatever relevant hashtags were there for that convention at that time. So people could find my pictures later and that worked out. Okay. I had a couple of photos that I uploaded and I was, I was looking around online trying to find some stuff and tips and everywhere, everywhere you go, someone's going to tell you they know how to master Instagram. Yep. And it's never, I'm not going to say don't watch those videos. Definitely like watch them, pull what you can out of yeah. it. For me, I found uh, I just went to the app store and searched for hashtags in the app store. And they have apps that are made to hunt down popular hashtags on different platforms. Uh, I'm not going to name the one that I'm using right now, but if you search the app store, whether you're on iPhone or you're on Android, you'll be able to find one. Sometimes they're hashtags for Instagram. And what it does is you go in and I search for hashtags i took a picture of the building i work inside of and i was like okay so this is going to relate to city 
and this is going to relate to architecture. So those are two things I want to search. And so I searched for architecture and it will go through and it finds the high, all the top rated hashtags that have anything to do with architecture as far as Instagram is concerned. So, for example, I just searched it on the app. It comes up with architecture, obviously, architecture lovers, architecture photography, architecture view, archaeolovers, architecture porn, architecture hunter, design, building, and it goes on. And you just select the ones that you want. Now, Instagram limits you to 30 hashtags per post. You can obviously do more if you want to hop into your comments, but I feel like 25 to 30 is really good to kind of get out there with what's really important. So, and a lot of these apps, you just... You know, you select the ones that you want, you hit the copy button, you paste them in. And with Instagram, to avoid the the terrible look of having a, a photo posted and then under it's just a thousand hashtags. I say a thousand, 25, 30 <laughs> yeah. hashtags. Feels like a thousand. Uh, people will put, they'll write a comment. Like I had one with, uh, with all the conventions and day trips I end up taking into Boston, the Alewife Station feels like home. <laughs> and then you hit enter, dot, enter, dot, enter, dot, enter, dot. So it has some space, you know, like those old scroll down, make a wish, those kind of things. <laughs> yeah. If you remember chain mail from back in the day, <laughs> and then you drop your, your hashtags in after that. Now, my personal Instagram, because of properly tagging things, because there are people out there that will follow specific hashtags, they, they'll follow specific people too, but there are people, Instagram will let you follow specific hashtags, which is great. So if I wanted to follow, um, I was following the crazy bones hashtag a while back. The little plastic dudes from the yeah. late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Um, Why was that a hashtag? <laughs> I don't know. I was looking for some like retro stuff and I found out that was a hashtag and I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I started following it and then anytime someone posted in that, it would show me. So if I wanted to follow someone because of something they posted in relation to that hashtag, I could. Now, my personal account went from a little over 100 followers to 172 in the last two weeks. And the, the big thing about that, that's not a huge, it's, it's huge to me. That is, but yeah. for a lot of people, they're like, oh, so what? That's like, you know, maybe 50 people-ish. Um, but that's legitimate people. Yeah. I don't follow back accounts that are um, by Instagram followers and things like that because they'll follow you too. Yeah. But that's where most of you, my followers You don't want to buy your followers because, again, they're accounts that are just dead. They're sitting on your Instagram and Instagram knows that these accounts aren't active. They're not commenting on your stuff. They're just there. They're numbers. So it's almost like they don't exist and they kind of hurt you. I don't want I don't want to throw you off your thought, but what when you were saying like the accounts, those ones are like buy free Instagram followers. Is it just me or do you feel like you those ones only follow you once you start making an effort to like get more followers? Because like when I I was not like I didn't on my personal page, I didn't make a huge effort to get more followers. But when I started following more people that I knew and like eventually they followed me back, eventually I got like five in a row of like all those Instagram accounts like, oh, buy more followers here, get more followers there. And it's just like it's just like how how like how are we supposed to build a real following and then you get See, slammed the, with these fake following? That's the thing is I'm, I don't know if people that have a bigger following on Instagram um, have the same problem because these accounts definitely prey on the people who are just trying to get started. They, you want to have the following base, but the biggest thing that I can like both for YouTube and for Instagram and whatever other platforms you're on, you want like real actual human beings following you. Yeah. And a lot of these buy followers is just like these farms over in whatever country. Yeah. They did a whole documentary on it a while back about, they just got a whole bunch of phones set up and someone pays them and they'll go to every single one that has its own account and follow you or like your stuff or whatever and they get paid to do that but it's a temporary boost yeah. it's like yeah it's it's a boost but not really at the same time because there's no interaction and like yeah no interaction. especially if you start looking like the person that has to pay to have friends like, <laughs> yeah that's one of those things you, you don't want to end up in that you boat. don't want to be that guy now one of the big things i've realized with so the yeah dude account was sitting under 100 followers and with business accounts that are linked to a Facebook account, you can get statistics on your Instagram once you have more than 100 followers. So I was like, I really want to bring it up over 100. But because it's a branded account, I don't want to be so willy-nilly with the things I post. So I thought to myself, okay, the, the niche markets that I want to focus on for Yeah Dude is video game related stuff, and which seems it's a broader niche than you know, no, I, I don't want to specifically narrow it down to one thing in particular. Yeah, but, but it's a focus it's, nonetheless. If it's video game related... Or if it's podcast related, because we're focusing a lot on our podcasting now. So 
I was like, those are the only two types of things I'm going to post to this account. Anything else, I can just do it on my personal one, whatever. So I snapped a really good shot of our soundboard and I put some stuff in there about our podcast network. And so then I went into that app again to search for hashtags and looked up podcast. And there were so many great podcasting tags. And again, with the uh, you want to pick some from the the top tier that are really popular because you yeah. want to get them out there. But at the same time, you want to pick some on the lower tier that still makes sense so that people that are searching those lower ones, you don't have as much competition. It's like you and maybe a thousand other people rather than a million other people. And because of properly hashtagging my my audio board and I did a picture of the sound, uh, the waveforms that are on my audacity screen when we were doing one last week I, I just posted stuff like that but it's things that let people know like hey not only is this a decent shot but it also says something about our podcast in it and being properly tagged there are full podcast networks that follow podcasting tags and because of that i've started to talk with a lot of these people and that's another big thing that i'm going to jump into after is using social networks to be social <laughs> It's a huge thing people overlook, but I've it's opened up conversations for me with other people that are producing podcasts. And that's not to say that I'm going to be able to go out and listen to every single one of their podcasts. I won't. If we get into a decent conversation, I'll go have a listen to an episode and, you know, be like, hey, you did a great job. I like your opening theme. Your sound quality is really good. You have a great concept. If it's something that I'm really into, then I'll like I'll follow it. But. Tying that over, I, I don't also get into the whole sub for sub thing that a nope. lot of YouTubers, it's, nope. I feel like it's a trap. It is. Because I had thought about that when I first started out because it seemed like a great idea. Like, oh, I'll sub to you, you sub to me. It helps us both out. It does not help you both out unless you're getting watch time hours. Back on the subject of YouTube, again, um, someone I know, well over 100,000 followers or subscribers. <laughs> I thought you were going to say well over 100. I was basically like, Whoa, well we over 100,000 <laughs> subscribers does not get much watch time. Why? Be probably because a lot of your subscribers subscribe to you, but they don't follow your channel. They don't, they're not notified. You're not showing up in their feed. They don't care. It could be any of those. But if you're getting people to sub for it to you just for the sake of subbing to you, not because they enjoy your content, then you've just got numbers there that don't mean anything. They're not going to drive watch time. They're not going to drive people to your channel and they're not going to engage conversation. So, and bring that over into engaging conversation. So something that people often forget, and I've I've experimented with this on the world's most anti-social network, or the one that no one really uses, Google Plus. Okay. So I can give you definitive that these te like being social on social media, regardless of how potentially dead the platform, it works because people want to get in conversations and talk with other people. So something I've started doing recently is there's a couple of ways to get your channel out there. There's there's tagging. Obviously, we just covered that. You can promote it, whether it's on like sharing it on your Facebook, sharing it. I'm not talking about paid promotions. I don't personally, I don't condone the use of paid promotions, especially if you're just starting out. Yeah. If you've got something huge that you want to go and do, then and you've got a I mean, go yeah. for it. But that's that's, a, you know, that's a call. You have to that's make at your, your discretion, not yeah. mine. I'm not going to tell you. To we go can't give you advice things. for that. So we've never been in that situation. Um, obviously, you know, you post quality content, you're tagging your videos. Why are people still not coming and checking you out? So one of the things that I've started doing is finding the videos that I like from the vloggers that I appreciate dropping down into the comments. And I don't, I try and remember to, you know, give a thumbs up on videos that I like. I subscribe to channels that I want to subscribe to whether or not they're going to subscribe back to me. And then I'll drop down in the comments. Like Maddie Hippoya does some videos on vlogging. And I was watching one of his live streams and I dropped down in the comments and I'm just like looking at the things people are talking about. Now, I don't advise getting into fights in the comments. That's not what we're here for. If you want to start making a good impression for your channel, I would highly recommend going down, finding some positive comments and adding more positive comments to it. Like your genuine thoughts on things. Just be human. And I know people generally try and stray away from the YouTube comment section because you feel like it's just all people trying to tell the creator to off themselves. And there are the the handful that are in there that are like that. But yeah. I've gotten into some pretty good conversations. I found some small vlogging channels that are just starting out that are under 100 subs and that are putting out good content. So it's helped them because they commented. I find them through the comments. I go to their channel to check out their stuff because I'm a nice guy like that. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll comment on their videos in their channel and know that I'm watching them. 
so that now they know who I am. They know that I'm engaging with their content. And for a lot of people, that's going to make them, depending on what level you're at, if you're getting some of the smaller sub channels, I hop into a vlog that's just started up. And I'm like, hey, man, really like your style. I like what you've done. I like your choice of music. It's really good. Can't wait to see what you come out with next. Now they they know who I am because they see my comments coming up. And they're going to probably be like, hey, well, I'm going to go check this guy's channel out. Maybe he's got some content, yeah. too. Maybe they can offer me some advice. You know, maybe they hate it. Who knows? Yeah. I'm not here to be like, hey, I subscribe to you. You need to follow me back. But it's starting the conversation. It's getting in there and treating YouTube more like a social network that it was intended to be. Yeah. And like. And like going like going off into what you said about like when you go into comment section, there are going to be those handful of people that are just terrible. And like one thing that I realized through my life on the internet is that I felt like some people are just born with that mindset going in. Like once you go into the internet, you know that there's going to be the cesspool part of the internet no matter where you go. And oh, like yeah. you kind of just have to block that out. But I feel like people can't do that anymore. And like that's kind of like my advice. It's and like that's one of my big that's one of my keys advice to life, but keys advice to content creation. When you're going into the internet, bring you can bring a positive attitude. You can bring like what you were saying, positive comments, positive outlook. Just don't get just know that you're on the internet. Like that's the best I could say is know that you're on the internet and know that these other people are out there and these other, like these other just, I don't know, like terrible forms of human life are, are out there on the internet and they're going to try, they're, they're, there's going to be comments that are going to bring you down. Just ignore them. And like the thing is like that people don't also understand is they will say absolutely anything because I know there's, there's things in your life that like people don't bring up to you because like obviously that affects you and like there's people, things you can't say to me that's going to bother me. I'm here to tell you that if they find that out on the internet, that is the first thing they're going to say to you. Like, I always say this with sports writers. I always see sports writers all the time, all the time, always bitch about it, Like, oh, great job, uh, Boston fans or Philly fans for coming on my comment section and commenting about my wife and kid. Like, granted, it is not good behavior to be commenting on making comments on someone else's wife and kids. And I'm not condoning you do that. However, I'm saying that as some like as someone who goes on the internet, you should know that's gonna come. Like you should know that's gonna happen. So like you can't what I always say about all that, let that stuff happen and just put it out of your head. Ignore it. Because the hardest like the hardest thing of it is as humans, we're drawn to that drama. Exactly. That's why reality TV is so successful. <laughs> like sadly, yes. We're drawn to see comments and be like, I have an opinion on this and yeah. everyone needs to hear it. Everyone needs to agree with it. I'm going to argue until the day I die about this particular yeah. thing. And that's why I had to leave Facebook. That's why yep, I had to. That's why I'm on the know, verge of doing it. That's why I'm sticking with YouTube and Instagram. Not that they're a whole lot better as far as comment sections. Yeah. Like Instagram, I found nothing really negative to say as far as the comments go. Well, I would check the sports side um, of it. <laughs> that's probably, like I said, because of the yeah, niches yeah. that I'm yeah, in. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, But as far as YouTube goes, it's a lot of just realizing like, someone makes a negative comment, whether it's to someone else's video or yours, don't feel like you have to be the silver, the white knight and just come in and I'm going to save this guy. Yes. You're just going to get dragged right into mm -hmm. it. But I would recommend going in and bring your positive attitude, leave some positive comments and, you know, cause that's going to make the person who made the video feel good. And the fact that you're there, you know, you show up, they see your face and your face is right next to a comment that's like, Hey man, I love your video. Great job. You know, they're going to remember you. Yeah. in a positive way and who knows you know it's uh, yeah. we were talking about before the podcast is weird moving to the media industry from the industrial industry where when i was working in the factory that everyone's like oh it's not about who you know it's about what you know and that's that's bull <laughs> and bull we all know it shit. it's i i had said to watson before we started i was like it's one of those industries it's not about who you know it's about who you blow <laughs> It's, it's a great line. It is because it's all about who you suck up to and who you stab in the back faster. Yeah. And the media industry, from what I've found, is a lot of it is it is who you know. It's competitive. It's both who you know and what you know, obviously. But it's a different kind of it's who you know. Yes. Building your network and working with talking to other creators, whether they're near or far, whether it's through social media or in person, building that network of other people that are doing similar things to you is really beneficial because then you can have that feedback. You can have like, you know, Watson and I both do a podcast and here we are doing a joint podcast about what it's like being a new creator because it's not that kind of like backstabbing. Yeah. 
who you know type thing. I'm not here to ruin yeah dude gamers. Like, right. We're, <laughs> we're not out to ruin each other. We're both on the same path. We're both trying to get better. Yeah. And I don't feel like I have to take you out of the running to exactly. make myself better. And I like that about this uh this particular like the indie media creation. There can be the thing I like about media creation and like the idea of it is that it can it can be competitive, but it's healthy competition. Whereas like every other industry in the world, it's competitive because it's not healthy. Because like what you said, like you're trying to stab people in the back, like step on top of people to get over people. Whereas like in the media creation, like especially like what you just said, like it's very much of you can collaborate. You can be competitive with other people. Like I have no problem when people being like, yeah, I want to be as good as this channel, if not better than this channel. Like, that's fine. Like that's, that's having a goal. But like you can be healthy competition, but also just be healthy working relationship and just work together to get to that point. And there's not, it remind it reminds me a lot of certain sports teams. Cause like, there's always that competition on a sports team. Like, obviously if you're on a sports team, you want to be the starter. You don't want to be the bench player, but if you're competing with another guy, who's going to be the starter, you're just, it's iron sharpens iron. You're, you're just making yourselves better by competing and working together on the same team. It's kind of like how I compare Like that's pretty much the way I look at content creation. It's very much, it's a team aspect, but a competitive team aspect, a winning team aspect, because that's where the competition is. You, the, the great thing with me, as far as I'm concerned, and I should put a, a disclaimer on this, that this isn't true necessarily for the entire media industry. You know, I don't work in like um, ad content creation. I don't work in like the media fields that are out in the big cities doing corporate yeah. stuff. I don't work in radio. Like I'm not a sports. I, so I don't know what that all uh, if that's as bad. But as far as being an independent creator, starting up on whether it's YouTube or Vimeo or podcasting or whatever it is, I found that the communities that are started within those have been incredibly beneficial and being able to collaborate with people. Sometimes you do a video with this person and one with that person. You kind of get like everyone's helping everyone out. And I find that it's, it's a really good community. It really is. I don't know. Like it's one of those things I didn't really know much about the community before I started like working with you. And like now that like me and you're working together, I've, I would say the same thing. Like I've noticed like I, I kind of was worried when I was getting into the media market because like like I said earlier about the Internet, like knowing what the Internet is like. I was like worried. I was like, there is not a chance in hell that everyone else is going to be friendly and like want to work together. But it really is like there are a lot of people out there who want to collaborate and like want to work together because it refreshes you. It gives you new it can really give you inspiration for new things. Like every time like me and you do this podcast, I walk out of here and like my drive home, I'm just thinking about all different kinds of things that we can do for this podcast. And it's just, it's one of those things like I never would have had that. I wouldn't, we've never, we would come up with this convert, this, this is podcast. If me and you didn't randomly have that collaboration conversation one day, like, yeah. And then, you know, other people could probably benefit from this. Yeah. That's one of the things that I, it's, it's not like in the business world, you're trying to be a better boss or a better business person than the other person in this world it's it's very much uh you're trying to be the best you that you can be and mm. no one else can be a better you than you exactly so there's really no competition if we both were running a vlog i know plenty of other people that are running startup vlogs and i don't feel competition with exactly. any of them because their style their personality what they talk about is going to be completely mm-hmm. different from what i talk about so we can help each other out and it, there's no animosity with it yeah so that's uh yeah i've enjoyed my uh my time collaborating with people yeah i really have is there anything else uh no i think that just about covers it um just to recap you know check your tagging because if you're not showing up in people's searches that's probably a lot of the reason not so much the algorithm but that's probably a lot of the reason and i'm sure we'll get plenty of people that will argue that the world is out to get them and maybe it is as far as i'm (laughs) concerned like maybe the world is out to get me you know, maybe the algorithm is forcing everything that I create to be completely invisible to everyone ever. And I don't know, to me, I don't have the time to spend worrying about it and feeling like the underdog. I All I want to spend my time on is making the next thing I want to make. Exactly. And, you know, that's that's the best that I can do. Practice. Pra- my, my advice, like we were saying earlier, is like whatever you got to do to practice, whatever it is, like we were saying earlier, like whether it's in the shower, car, um, mirror or friggin' it's you walking your dog or something like, I don't care what it is. Find what you need to do to practice and just go do it. Practice that same way. Because I feel, I feel you'll learn a lot about yourself, especially like if you want to do a podcast, like just try to record yourself on your phone for five minutes and you'll learn a lot about yourself. And you, you'll learn a lot about how much can I really handle? How much can I do right now? How much do I really know? You learn about, you'll learn so much about yourself and your ability to do content creating in just the podcast way, which just take by taking five to 10 minutes to record yourself talking about something. 
And that's just my whole advice. It's just take the time to practice because then you not only will you get better by practicing, you'll also get the inspiration to f maybe focus up more on what you want to do. And if it's super awkward starting out, you're just doing it right. Exactly. That, that's about it. Exactly. It's taken me like a well over a year to be kind of comfortable with hearing my own voice. <laughs> and now it's I don't want to say that oh, I love the sound of my own voice because I talk a lot. Yeah. So I'm sure it comes off that way. But no, I'm just I'm used to it at this point. Yeah. So like listening to myself talk on video or on podcasts in front of other people isn't as awkward to me as it once was. Yeah. But a lot of it's like you you hear yourself for the first time. And you're like, no, no one wants to listen. To I this. thought I sounded much cooler than I really did. Was, <laughs> that's always the case, yeah. too. But um, that's all I've got for this week. I do. I have one more thing. It's It doesn't have to do with what we were talking about, but something we talked about actually with Jamie. Well, I don't know. We didn't talk about it on the podcast. We talked about it with Jamie separately. How have you thought about more about the whole idea of like filming this podcast? Like, granted, I know the studio's a little bit. The studio's a mess at the moment. Mess at the moment. Construction. And but all I that, feel like but, it might. It might add, like, cause like you were saying earlier, like with like when you're getting in front of something and like practicing, like if we, we act completely differently when we're on camera, but I feel like it's a way that like it could add more to the show. It could add like, it definitely could. It definitely uh, could. I have thought about it, but until we have the, the availability to, to do set it. up a proper studio space for it. And by that, I just mean my being able to clean this space. Yeah, yeah. Once they've installed the, the new windows they're putting in and I can move furniture back where it needs to be then potentially but yeah we've been, we've been getting some interaction with the pot with this podcast on instagram so you know if you want if if that's what you think that maybe the next step we should be looking into let us know maybe if not if you want to just hear our voice talking you don't want to see what we look like that's fine too <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're always fine with that yeah but yeah feel free to drop in the comments leave us some uh some message like what what did you think about today's episode is it going to change anything that you've done or are doing going forward uh, maybe you feel like the YouTube algorithm, I'm full of BS and like the YouTube algorithm is really just out to destroy everyone. Let us know. And, We're down for some discussion. Yeah, I'm I'm down for the for the topics. Again, get out there, be social, interact with people. And, you know, no matter what, just keep creating. Thanks for listening. and We'll catch you again next week. Have a good one. AV Underground is a production of YDG Studios. Do you have questions about getting started as a content creator that you'd like us to address in a future episode? Send us an email at yadudegamers at gmail.com with the subject line, Ask AV Underground, and we just might include your question in an upcoming episode. AV Underground is hosted by MJ Watson and Josh Needham and is produced by Josh Needham.